Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that has been in the dark for a very long time, but is slowly creeping its way back to the light. I'm Alex. What is summer without Riverdale? I don't know. I don't know what's happening in my life. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we have a special guest for you today. Very excited to have her on, Denise Nadredre, the set decorator for Riverdale itself. Welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we love the sets on the Riverdale. They're awesome. I yeah, love, you do great work. So good. I love also all the interaction you have with fans. It's so much fun to see. But let's take it back in a big way because there's so many different parts of putting together a set on any show, uh, what what is a set decorator? Why don't we start there with a basic <laughs> question? Well, ge- generally, the set decorator is the person who is in charge of talking with the director, the production designer, you know, all the keys of the different departments. And then we kind of, we read the script, we collaborate with the executive producer, and then, yeah, then we just go from there. Well, let's talk about Riverdale then in particular. You've been on the show for a couple of seasons now. Have you been there since the beginning at this point, or did you start a couple of seasons in? I, I did get the job season one, but I left, and I ended up not coming back until season two. But I had been here with pretty much the same team. Well, so what was involved then in getting the job? I mean, everybody knows actors have to go on auditions. What do you have to do to get the job as a set decorator on Riverdale? Truly, it's all about who you know. Mm-hmm. It really is. A friend of mine was going to be the producer on season two, and I work every production that she does, so I just came along with her. Well, let's talk about season one. I do want to get to all the great seasons five stuff we talked about, but when you are first setting up those iconic locations, Betty's bedroom, Archie's bedroom, the school, etc., 
what's what's the base level? Where do you start? Do you just go shopping and pull ideas? Are you looking through stuff online? Is it working off the sets and then going from there? How how does it work? I didn't do season one. Most of the right. sets from season one were done by the first team. So it's and, and generally on season one, there were a few sets. There was FP's trailer, the house, Betty's bedroom, Archie's bedroom. But those were all established, some of them even in the pilot. Hmm. Right. Well, but that said, it looks like little things change here and there, even if it's just switching around the locations. So when does that start? Do you I know you guys are coming back soon for season six. When you get there, do you kind of look at everything and say, "Okay, here's what we need to tweak? The art department starts first. So the production designer, who is Dustin Farrell now, he starts with his drawing team and they come up with ideas with Roberto. They go over the season arc for the season and what sets they want to start thinking about, and they just start drawing it. And generally I come in a week, maybe two weeks later, and construction starts to build thing, and then I start collaborating with the production designer. Well, let's jump into season five then, because there's so many wild stuff, sets that happen, particularly after the time jump. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the white worm first, because that seems so packed with so many things beyond even what we can see on camera. Where did you start with that? What was the first item or items that you picked up to kind of start packing that set? Truly, it was about ripping out stuff. So taking out all the velvet, taking out the red carpet, you know, taking out all the really fancy stuff that was the Bon Nuit. And we painted, we had the the boots painted black. They were red before. And then we just started deconstructing things. And then we started adding layers on top. So we did leave a few items in there from the Bonui. And then we had like stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff made from the art department, like posters, etc. Every season I save things so that I have them for future episodes. So that's how we get the layered look and the time. So it and then truly we kind of did it over the weekend and art the, um, <laughs> the construction department came in, you know, they did their changes and then the art, the paint department came in and because of COVID we were kind of um, not allowed to be on certain stages while they were shooting. Cause we had to stay so far away from the cast, but truly it took like 10 of us uh, a Saturday and a Sunday and we were ready to roll Monday morning. Wow. Uh, one of the things that I uh, wanted to ask you, you know, you, you, I'm sure you worked on other shows and you said you read the script. What was it like reading this script for the first time? Because as a, someone who watches a lot of TV, this show is very insane and pulls off a <laughs> lot of stuff where you just like, holy crap, this show is going to be insane. Or were you like, oh, yeah, no, no problem. I could do all this madness. Like, how did you kind when of... When I first started, yeah. I was, I thought, how the hell are we going to get this done? <laughs> like, there are only 12-hour work day, days, and there are only seven days in a week, and there are only so many people available because in Vancouver there are so many productions going. So quite often I end up with uh, a lot of new people. So I really am, we're spread quite thin, but really, truly, everybody loves what they do on my team. So they're all in it to win it and they'll work overtime and they'll stay on the, on the weekends. And we just always, we always figure it out. It is pretty scary though, because Roberto has huge ideas and they're very elaborate. Yeah, I feel like detail is a huge thing on the show. Like, are there any, what are some of the Easter eggs in your department that are, are stashed in there? Is there anything that you uh, are especially proud of that you that has popped up on the show? 
uh, Roberta likes to pay homage to previous movies. Once, on, uh, I think that was season three, we did the Lodge Lodge, which was a cabin out in the woods on Bowen Island. We did um, we did uh, Shining Carpets, so we had we bought licensing so we could have some the fabric on the walls and you know we just do little things like that and truly it's the stuff that we save so when we did for example Archie's bedroom for season five I had kept things like you know the photos of Luke and KJ you know Archie and his dad and then the um, badges when we try when we um, had Fred wanting to be the mayor, trying to elect him for the mayor. So little things like that and photographs and stuff that we save so that if something happened on season two and then we have the opportunity to see it again on season five, to me that is what makes it so fun. And rarely do people see it, the actors see it, right? And that's got to be a huge thing for them, like just performatively, to especially when you talk about Archie, to be able to see that stuff, it just and we obviously don't know what KJ's process is, but I got to imagine looking down and seeing those photographs are huge for him. And they were so tight. It can yeah. be really emotional sometimes as well. When you read like a, a script of something coming up, do you get like extra excited when there's like a big Cheryl piece in there? Because some of the Cheryl stuff, I mean, the spooky doll stuff and there's like people jump out of walls. I mean, uh, it's just so over the top. Is that exciting for you? Do you get like excited for that or is it just like, oh, the work? No, I love it. Yeah. I love over the top and I love Cheryl Blossom's character. And I love, I just love that whole set. And this year we took the SPS uh, school and we turned it into Thornhill. So mm. that was quite a process. They started weeks before I got there and it took, it took a few months to get it done, but there are so many layers and stuff that we have reinvented over the seasons. Well, let's talk about Thornhill in particular, though, because it is so packed with these amazing details. It's also, there's a lot more light in it because of that huge stained glass window. Does that change the way that you place things, the orientation of things in there, because you do have so much more light shining in versus the darkness of Cheryl's house over the past couple of seasons. We do. And our DOPs are brilliant at trying to figure that out. The more, you know, the more light, the better. And really, truly set deck is all about lighting. As odd as it sounds. What about Cheryl's paintings? Is that your department? Because I was kind of blown away by a very quick shot of Cheryl as a vixen. It is. She's yeah. a fox. Yeah. And she's a fox. That's so right. how, <laughs> how do you commission something like that? How do you put something like that together? I've been working with the same artist for many, many, many years. And what I do is I kind of just say, I call her up and if she's in town, I tell her, you know, I want to make like three or four pieces for the set. And I give her, you know, some creepy ideas. I gave her a little bit of reference and then she just goes with it. But this season, because I think I, I don't know, like maybe we bought 70, she probably painted close to 50, 70 photos or uh, paintings for us this season. Wow. Yeah. Any, everything from like a eight by 10 to, you know, like 40 by 50. And she's amazing. And she just pumps them out and they always look amazing. So you have a backlog of these paintings that you're sort of sliding in and out when you need them. I do. And generally, just to try, we're very green on Riverdale. So what we like to do is go to Value Village or wherever and buy a, a framed piece of art. And then we'll actually take that to the artist and she'll just repaint right on top of that. Oh, wow. 
That's great. And sometimes what you do is you take the original, make a copy, and then sell the copy as part of some sort of scheme to get money, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way to make money. Exactly. Days. Another part of Thornhill, we were talking about this a little bit before we hopped on for the podcast, but I loved Cheryl's Nursery, the one that she made for Tony. It is so packed with details, and I, I love following you on Instagram because you show off all these insane little bits are on there that... It's it's probably what a minute, minute and a half on camera. And you never or see half of it. I know. I <laughs> yeah. mean, first of all, how does that make you feel? Are you like oh, I've spent an entire weekend, entire week on it, or is it just you're happy to? I'm flesh kind of out over it, it only yeah. because <laughs> the director appreciates it, and the cast always really appreciate it, and the crew they constantly are, you know, messaging me to thank me because it's easier for them to to do all their jobs when it's when the whole set is dressed, you know. Yeah. So where do you go then to get stuff for something like that? Is there like a hot topic for babies or something that I'm not aware of? We made most of it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Did you have nightmares afterwards? (laughs) You know, I love creepy so much. (laughs) (laughs) The creepier, the better, really. And that's why I love that set so much. What are some details in there that people might not notice if they're just watching the scene on the show? Well, like the paintings for sure, because they're so deep in the background, sometimes you don't see them. But a lot of the books have been curated for that set. So they'll mm. be like the creepy twins or the red scarlet or there, there'll be tons and tons of just uh, the, the spines on the books that because to me, that's fun for the for the crew and the cast while they're sitting there waiting to roll to see that kind of stuff. And then behind some of the cabinets, we've got poison and we've got rats in jars and it's super creepy if you ever had the opportunity. And I would love, love, love to just make a video of that set at one point. You gotta do Please it. do that. That's amazing. Now, let me ask you, when you're putting that together, are you really getting yourself almost in character as Cheryl? And you're like, okay, what would she think would be appropriate? Because you really have to get out of your own head. You do. Something like that. And plus, I have four people that buy for me. So we all are, if because that set was so big, we are all at the beginning of the season. Okay, we're talking about Cheryl. Everyone who doesn't know Cheryl, watch the show. Just so that when you're out in a boat and you see, you know, a rat in a cloche or a, a taxidermy <laughs> bumblebee, you know what I mean? Like we grab that kind of stuff all the time so that we're thickening those sets all the time. Was there anything you were like, that's too far? That, you, that you've crossed the line, buyer number three? No. There it is. That should be the motto of Riverdale. It might go on a higher shelf, (laughs) but it's there. Uh, That's amazing. There's been like so many great, like kind of like things that they've tackled. I mean, as far as like uh, over the top, like post-apocalyptic apocalyptic stuff. There's been like old school wars. Like, was there one set that you were just like, wow, I can't believe that we did it. Or was there one that you were like, really like, oh man, uh, this gives me nightmares. Like that, but some of the really, Pete, Pete gets so nightmares, by the way. Just to, yeah. Yeah, all you talk about are nightmares. Well, I, the show sticks with you mm-hmm. after you watch it. I can't imagine working on the set and then walking away from it. You know, I think it's probably more fun for the people who are on set because the lighting is ambient when they're there. And sometimes they're shooting at night. And especially when we're shooting at Riverview, because it can be kind of creepy there. <laughs> what is Riverview? What's in- Riverview is a decommissioned mental hospital in Vancouver that we shoot at. And it's wow. really turned into film studios. 
Wow. It's, a, it's an amazing piece of property. There are some trees on that property that are nowhere else in Canada. Wow. It's a very old, old place. And it's it's got a little bit of creepy mojo for sure. <laughs> oh, a closed insane asylum? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, but obviously things have been crazy different across the board as you guys have been shooting in COVID. And I assume even going into the next season, there's going to be at least a little bit of that, if not full-fledged. So what has been different for you in terms of your job, in terms of the set degrader job, as you've been filming over the course of the past season, season five? The biggest thing is I no longer present the set to the deck, to the director. Hmm, wow. Generally, me and the art department or, or art director, we come in the morning and kind of hand the set off to the director and the cast, but we've not been able to do that, which is, you know, it's very anticlimactic for me. Hmm. <laughs> get over that. Is that changing at all, do you know, in season six, or is it still the same sort of protocols? Well, I think we're all pushing for vaccination. Mm -hmm. We were tested, just the prep crew was tested once a week during COVID, but the cast was three times a week. I think that that will be easing off, but Warner Brothers is just so, they really want to keep everybody safe. There'll still be certain strict guidelines in place for sure. Yeah, I imagine it must be frustrating on one end because you're not quite getting to do your job exactly what you want to do it, but probably nice that you have a company that actually is taking care of you at the same yeah, time. Yeah, they are amazing. They really, really are. Another set that I wanted to ask you about that was new for this season was Hiram Lodge's new office, so which good. is great. It feels, uh, and this is you know part of the bones of the show, but it feels very Twin Peaksy to me. Yeah. Justin, you're our expert. Does that track for you? That does. And also the way, to me, the way it's been shot and the um, the way that Reggie has been sort of his his gopher feels very Twin Peaksy as well. Yeah. I just watched Five Eleven last night. Wait, it gets better. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> love that. I love uh, that's Yeah. Wait, Five Eleven's really great. Oh, that's very exciting. But uh, I mean, taking it back, though, in terms of building that set and giving it yeah. that like beautiful, ridiculous carpeting and the couches and everything. What was important to capture in terms of that set? I think the production designer really captured the essence of the set. Like he really wanted it, not so much Mad Men, but really iconic images from that period of time, like in the mid sixties that were so, so strong because that's how we want to always portray him. And he, the, the Easter egg on that set is the iguana. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a big gold iguana on that set. And it was originally in Hiram's um, suite at the Five Seasons on season two. So he's kind of tracked his way along as well. That's awesome. I wanted to ask you about a big new addition to the crew this season, or at least that we found out about the season, is Cooper Andrews, the cat. Uh, <laughs> what has it been like? You know, it's kind of funny. The first time I saw the cat, I'm like, oh, my God, don't bring the cat on the set. Like, what if someone's allergic or what if he pees somewhere? We can't be, you know, walking around because that's a huge set. I don't know if you know that, but we have two huge sound stages and it can go it can go south pretty quickly. But he's just been so embraced and everyone takes such good care of him. He's doing all right. <laughs> And he's very welcome. <laughs> it's been, I, I love that account too. What has it been like doing this collaborative cat following, cat parazi? You know, Devin is really good at it because the cat, it kind of lands in our, when in one of our areas first thing every day. So I think, oh. Devin, I think Devin must feed him. 
<laughs> exactly. There's a lot of clues there that Devin is maybe uh, keeping that cat around. <laughs> Do you feel pressure to add um, litter boxes to any of your sets? I have not. Just because I don't want to end up being there be cat feces on a set. A hundred percent. I was just kidding. Please don't do that. <laughs> no, we do have cat trees. Try and keep them off the curtains and stuff. <laughs> I, I was just wondering, is there any, like, uh, anytime you're reading the script, are you just like, well, this isn't possible. Do you get any nightmares is what Pete yeah. wants to know. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> can't, really drive it in on You that. can't have a full functioning diner and then underneath it a secret also uh, uh, kind of like club type of thing where you just like, what, how is that possible? Well, we say that quite often. And then <laughs> we realize, we realize, wait a minute, this is Riverdale. Right. Anything yeah. is possible. Yeah. You don't actually have to build it in reality. You just have to build it for television. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's not really underneath the diner. Okay. It's not really underneath oh, okay. the diner. So it's yeah. not really an alien Huge in maple spoiler. syrup in a barrel is what you're saying. Well, that was there for sure. Okay. Yeah, that part's <laughs> real. That's, that's real. real. Everything else is fake. Uh, another one actually that's going to be coming up, at least based on the promos that we've seen a little bit, is Veronica's Jewelry Store. When you're doing something like that, how difficult does it make that uh, feel authentic while obviously not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a high-end jewelry store in real life? Well, here's the thing. There's just so much crap available to us. Really, in Vancouver, you can buy anything. So if we're hitting the thrift stores or hitting the, you know, the dollar store for gemstones, like, uh, you know, the local kid store, it's not that difficult. You just have to think outside the box. You know, mm -hmm. we bought a lot of things online. That nothing, honestly, it doesn't really have that kind of stuff never really scares me. It's just the time because sometimes, you know, we'll be shooting in a set until Friday and then the new set shoots on Monday. So you know darn well that we're working Saturday and Sunday just so that we can turn it over so that they have stuff, you know. Hmm. Uh, how much? How many uh, items do you have to keep on hand for like swapping in and out? Do you have like a huge backlog of things that you're always uh, like, oh, that one's not quite right. Let's try this one. I have uh, 25,000 square feet of warehouse space. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That'll do it. Any set that we wrap and that might come back, we kind of palletize it and put it on shelving. And then once we decide that we're never going back to, let's say, the farm or someplace like that, then we open it all up because that set is full of iconic stuff that we can constantly repurpose. So in an effort of staying green, we open that stuff up and it goes on to shelves so that we can reshop that stuff. So I bet you I have a thousand lamps. Wow. That's amazing. I love that it's like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark in your warehouse. Just like <laughs> these treasure items going into the wooden crates. It's true. It's like Citizen Kane in there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is there any like farm Easter eggs, the stuff that you've repurposed that's been in the background that maybe we didn't notice? Yeah, like Kevin's kidneys kind of showing up in different places. Yeah, how many kidneys you got in that warehouse? <laughs> That was so gross. I love that set. No, you know, we, there isn't. We do. I kind of because I love some of that graphics and some of that stuff we've built. It kind of lives in our walls, uh, in our production offices all over the place so that we can revisit it. But we do keep it so that if anything ever were to come back where something like that made sense, it's at, a, at the ready. So it's it's good that way. Uh, now, I did want to ask you, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but you are very active on social media, Instagram in particular, which is great. I love seeing all the behind the scenes stuff. You're always chatting with fans. 
this is obviously a very intense, very devoted fan base for the show. Uh, what is it like for everybody on set knowing that is going on in the rest of the world? People are picking apart little clues that everybody posts in terms of pictures. They're always asking about dates and trying to figure things out. How do you react to that behind the scenes? You know, I love it. I love that the fans are so into it. But on occasion, they'll trip me up. They will. There's a girl who is uh, she's an architect student and she's quite young. I think she's like just out of high school. And she sent me some drawings because she wanted to read. She drew the sets and she told me there's no way that Polly's bedroom and Betty's bedroom could be that way because of the way that the set was. <laughs> I can't really control that kind of stuff. But there are people that are so into it that they understand more than even I do. That's so funny. Are there any other like plot conspiracy theories that have sort of come been laid at your feet uh, from something you've put into the show? People ask me all the time about certain things like, um, for example, in the nursery, there was a lamp that was it's a white kind of mosaic vintage Victorian lamp. And when I first bought that lamp on season two, I put it in the lodge apartment and it was taken out because Hermione didn't really like it. She didn't think it was appropriate for the set. But I think we rolled on it and we shot it because maybe it was a crew member because sometimes I don't really know who's attached to the IG account. But someone said to me, wasn't that in season two and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, it totally was. <laughs> yeah. I also have a calendar of a woman that was made by the art department team on season two and three. And it was very well done. And because it's so good it kind of travels around and people kind of figure out like where it is. And it's kind of funny. That's great. That's a dedicated fan base. I mean, speaking of which, another thing that obviously they focus on very heavily is shipping and just all the different ships on the show. And it's kind of amazing to see when somebody just posts, say a picture for Betty's bedroom and it's, you know, a couple of pictures of Betty and Archie and suddenly everybody goes eyeball emoji, uh, new Barchi photos incoming. Do you, Again, like, is that anything you talk about on set in terms of, oh, we got to be careful about keeping Barchi and Bughead even out there? Otherwise, people are going to lose their minds. It's true. We do. We do. You know, every once in a while, we'll take a picture down because we know that it will start that kind of reeling about, well, there's a picture of Archie and Veronica in her bedroom still. And it's seven years later. Like, for sure, I would take that out because it would just have too much repercussions. And that's so funny. So when is that decision made? Is that like after you've, you've built the set and everything's sort of finished? Are you like, okay, let's do our Barchi sweep? I kind of pull that sure. That's one of the things that I start with. I, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll take it out and we'll tuck it into a drawer and the onsets will say, well, maybe we should have that. And then they can pull it out. So I don't ever actually take it off the set, but I do, you know, and that's one of the first things I do. And then the art director will go in afterwards and she'll just make sure that, you know, she doesn't see anything that she doesn't want to see either. You are, after a relatively short break, heading back into season six. I know you can't talk about any specifics, and I'm not fishing for spoilers, but what's involved in the prep there? Once you actually come back in August or so, whenever the date is, uh, what are the first things that you need to do to prep for the new season? Well, we have a couple of new big sets. So those will be probably in the process of being built. And then I'll start sourcing some of this stuff because it'll be some difficult things to source. So I'll start right away. I think I start the first week in August. 
Oh, wow. And then are you, when is, when does production actually start? Because you have those five episodes and then presumably a break and then coming back for the rest of the season. I think that there's a little, there's still some, because I haven't been in touch with the producers. I think that because the baby is on its way, KJ's baby, I think we're going back to camera the first week in September. Before we let you go, again, without necessarily fishing for spoilers, but we do have the rest of season five in front of us coming back August 11th. Clearly, you've teased us about the 11th episode, but anything anything you could tease people with? Yeah, episode 12, because I watched it right after episode 11. It's like nothing we've ever seen before. Ah, it's like some... How could that be possible? We've seen so many <laughs> crazy things. <laughs> a little bit character development, which is really great. Hmm. And maybe it explains a little bit why some people are the way they are. It's really great. Ooh, I love that. That's exciting. What does that mean? Uh, Well, very cool. Denise, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Congratulations on everything. We've been loving this wild season as usual. You've been killing it. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show. Socially, Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. We'll see you after dark see you in pete's nightmares frequent nightmares at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.